Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. America to Me is a new documentary series currently airing on the STARS cable network that was screened this week at events in Durham and Charlotte. Directed by the award-winning director of Hoop Dreams, Steve James, the series follows a diverse group of students at a suburban Chicago high school as they navigate issues of race and life. One of the student stars of the series, Tiara Oliphant, joins us to talk about her experience. We also visit Enloe High School in Raleigh to learn more about a student-led effort there as the school focuses on issues of race and equity. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, Governor Cooper signed a $56.6 million hurricane relief package passed by the General Assembly. It includes $6.5 million to replace lost compensation for employees affected by school closures and another $50 million to provide the state match for federal disaster assistance and for the cost for counties declared a disaster. State leaders said this, first step is, this is a first step in what is expected to be a lengthy recovery. The State Board of Education has three new members thanks to appointment made last week by Governor Cooper. J.B. Buxton, James E. Ford, and Jill Camdens will fill the unexpired terms of Bill Covey, Becky Taylor, and Greg Alcorn. Because these members resigned before their terms expired, the appointments do not have to go to the General Assembly for approval. J.B. Buxton was nominated earlier this year for an open seat, but was rejected by state lawmakers. He's a former deputy state superintendent. James Ford is the former North Carolina Teacher of the Year, and Jill Camdens previously served as head of the Pitt County Board of Education. Finally, Carver Heights Elementary School in Goldsboro is on the short list to be taken over by the state as part of the innovative school district created by the General Assembly. Currently, the ISD has just one school in Robinson County that it outsourced to a charter management company, but has authority to take over more. Wayne County school officials and the Wayne County Board of Education have gone on record opposed to the idea and successfully fought to have the school dropped from consideration last year. Remember, you can always visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, there is a brand new documentary series out on the STARS cable network called America To Me, and one of the student stars is joining us to tell us all about it. She is Tiara Oliphant. She is a former student at Oak Park and River Forest High School in Oak Park, the west side of Chicago in Illinois, but she is uh, she's now a freshman at Western Illinois University. So thanks for being here. Thank you. It's awesome. Well, this is where we, we've had a couple of screens. I got to, I've been watching the show um, uh, on Stars, but we also had a, a screening of this week's episode in Durham and Charlotte this week. Okay, so you're a freshman in college now, but when you did this, uh, when you were you were a sophomore. So what was your reaction to the idea of having a film crew follow you around in and out of school? It was really crazy because originally, like, I wasn't even supposed to be in it. It was kind of just something I was kind of roped into, which now I'm extremely grateful for. It was definitely weird having cameras follow me around and, like, you know, because you're walking around the hallway and you have these big black cameras and you have a mic on you. It was weird and it was, it had its ups and downs, but for the most part, it was overall 
Right. Well, we've got a we've got a clip we're going to show here um, uh, about the show, and now um, uh, your 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 former classmate Charles is is sort of featuring it, but I think it gives a nice uh, um, overview of what we've got going. We've got something on this. We've got some uh, a little bit of it on the screen right now. But but that was um, uh, but the creators of the of uh, the creators of America to, to me say that they wanted this docu series to spur on real conversation around country about equity and race in schools. Um, now, it, one of the things that the series highlights is um, the issue of low expectations for black students in particular. I mean, is that something um, that you've experienced when you were in school? Yes, I, especially at OPRF, and I've had amazing teachers at OPRF, but I've also had some you know, not so great teachers at OPRF. I've been told some really mean things, and I think that goes into education a lot, like to feel loved and feel like when you can't push and you feel like you just don't have it in you, a teacher should be there to be like, you got this, like, I'm here to help you. Right. Type mentality. Yeah, and we um, uh, the the school that we we visit in the second segment, um, in a lot of ways, is very similar to uh, Oak Park. Very diverse. I mean, you've got a, a, a mixture of black, white, um, Latino, I think Asian students. But um, it was in the series. It, it really shows that there are some divisions still, right? I mean, kids. It's, it's sort of natural, right? You sort of sort of hang together. I mean, yeah. I was telling someone last night. Uh, people tend to like gravitate towards things that they're familiar with and things that people that they know. So if someone looks like you or is having the same mannerisms as you or you listen to the same type of music, you're going to be like, oh, I want to be their friend. I'm going to go talk to them, right. hang out with them, get to know them. Now, um, uh, the, like particularly this week's episode that's on, uh, saw it uh, this week, I mean, it focuses a lot outside the school too. I mean, in fact, it share. I mean, it shares some pretty intimate details. Your mom's on it. You know, she's yeah. talking about you growing up, about your dad leaving. Mean, was mm -hmm. that hard to be? Uh, you know, kind of. I mean, as a sophomore, kind of, you're out there. Yeah, I would. Yes. Uh, yeah, like that. Like those are your years that you like try to like suppress because you know you're going through all these changes. And then I was really going through all these changes, as you saw, mm. or as you will see mm. in the series and so it was really hard to like have all that stuff going on at one time and yeah now I don't expect you know I don't expect you or frankly we shouldn't expect our students to have all the answers on how to sort of address some of these issues you you know you're familiar with the term achievement a gap it's something that uh, you know why you know why black students and students of color um, don't score as high on tests and 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 have different grades but you know, we prefer it on this show and at the forum to call it an opportunity gap. But it's been plaguing us for about 30 years um, or more time. since schools were desegregated. Your own experience. I mean, I think people look at you. You're in college. I mean, you're sort of you're making it, right? And I assume yeah. that you've got you you you're you're texting and Snapchatting with your friends who were yeah. in college. What were some of the key things that that mattered and, and helped you? Mentors. I had, I have an amazing mentor. Um, she worked at the school. She wasn't a. So she you're wasn't not even a teacher. A, not even a teacher. Like edu education goes so much further than just the classroom. Honestly, like my biggest support mm. system. She was a secretary. Okay. But anything school related, like 
even if she couldn't help, she found a way to help. And it's things like that that make education and school and the push and the fight so much easier because it's already hard. And if you have teachers that, and people that are there to support you, it just makes it a little bit easier because you don't feel as alone. Right. What were some of the things that your teachers did um, that, that, that helped? Well, when I get, like, you know, under pressure, like, frustrated or, like, I'm trying something and it's just not working, I'll just get frustrated and be like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just won't do it. And, like, my teachers would be like, TR, come on now. I, I know you don't want to read this book, but we're going to read this book, and you're going to do this, and it's going to be fine, and then we're going to laugh about it, like, right. a while from now. What are your, um, um, now that it's out there, because this was, I guess it was the, the filming finished almost two years ago? Yeah, a right? long time ago. So now it's, but now it's being seen in your neighborhood, your, your, I guess your, your, some of your friends at college are watching it. Yes, and it's weird. They send me, like, pictures of myself, and I'm like. <laughs> what is the reaction? They love it. It's crazy. Like, I think I was a complete flop in it. Honestly, <laughs> I do. I really do. But everyone there is like, oh, my God, like, you're so cute. And, like, you know, I'm so, like, TRs when people tell me, like, I, I basically <laughs> act the same. Right. They, they love it. They love the people. Yeah. They know the kids, like, people from my school. So it's nice to see them in a different light. Like, I've never even seen some of the people that I've known in mm -hmm. this light until I watched the series myself. So everyone's opening it with, opening it with like, warm arms, and it's really, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, what do you hope this documentary does? I hope it educates, changes lives, and inspires people. Because that's the first step to making a big change. You know what I mean? Like, right. it has to start somewhere with someone that's not afraid to, like, break expectations and not care what anyone says. And that's what this documentary series did. It's pushing OPRF and it's pushing, like, social expectations and all that stuff. Right. Well, there's a uh, there's an organization. Participant Media is working with uh, you know with the producers and directors of America to me. You're you're part of a nationwide tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the eighth eighth state of ten. Um, um, I think you're going to be there's going to be a couple more cities coming up. But uh, people who are we're, we'll have this on our website. But folks who want to get engaged and find out more about it can go to America to Me Realtalk uot com and sign up for more information. But um, oh, welcome to thanks for visiting us Thank in North you. Carolina. Thanks for being. Being on the show. Thanks, TR. When we come back, as I said, we're going to take you to a school closer to home in Lowe in Raleigh, North Carolina, to talk about a student effort there focused on race and equity. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. True or false, among elementary school children with the same math and reading scores, high-scoring white students are twice as likely as high-scoring black students to get assigned to a gifted and talented program. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer true? According to a national study by Vanderbilt University in 2016, high-scoring white elementary school students were twice as likely to be placed in academically gifted programs as high-scoring black students. 
In our next segment, we're taking you to Enlo High School in Raleigh to learn more about a new race and equity program led by students. Take a look. Here on Education Matters, we try to take you inside the classroom every week. We're actually literally doing that this week. We're in a classroom at Enlo High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. We are joined by Jordan King. Jordan is a senior here at Enlo, and we have Mr. Jose Espinal. Jose is the assistant principal here at Enlo High School, and actually one of your uh, roles as assistant principal is over equity affairs here in the school. So thank you both for being here. We wanted to talk to you um, today about a new, about a student-led initiative that, Jordan, I know you've been involved with um, called Enlo 5, and it's around um, strategies for uh, teachers and for students of color. So tell me a little bit about what it is. Okay, so basically the Enlo 5 is uh, one day we had a student team come together and we presented with, I believe, like 16 strategies that Greg Meyer had come up with over years and years of doing equity work. And basically what he wanted us to do was to take these 16 and pick some that we think would, you know, cultivate a better just culture here at Enlo that would help students be more successful in their classrooms. So we chose five of them. That's why it's called the Enlo Five. And one of them is visibility. The other is proximity. We have addressing race, connecting to students' lives and their future selves, and checking for understanding. So we believe that all five of those are, it's what we want because we sat down, about 50 of us, and we just kind of had to be like, okay, what's important to Enlo and what's going to help each and every one of us, you know, be better. You know, not everyone's going to need all five of the strategies. They may just need two or three. But all of the strategies were picked by Enlo students to make now, Enlo better. Now, this is, a, this is a very diverse school. I mean, one of the yeah. things we've talked about on the show is that we've, we've seen some growing resegregation of schools where you have a lot of schools that are becoming more all white or all black. This is actually uh, not like that. Yeah. But... Obviously, the students felt like that there were things that, as a student of color yourself, you know, I mean, this is something that um, they thought there were things that could be improved for all students, and particularly with students of color. Explain that a little bit. Well, here at Enlo, sometimes we, it kind of feels like there's two different schools that you have, you know, the magnet kids, and they're taking your honors and your AP classes, and then you have students that are staying in standard classes, and those are typically minority students, and we just, we knew that that was something that was super, super apparent here. So we just wanted to take strides to fix it because we can always identify the problem, but actually sitting down and talking about it and trying to change it is what's actually going to help us out in the long run. That, that's, a, that's a great, Mr. Espinal, the, 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 what she just raised, I wanted to ask you about that actually. Um, those of us who, uh, I live in, here in Wake County, Enloe has a great reputation academically, but what she's referring to is actually you say it's one of the knocks that you hear sometimes is that Enlo is a school within a school. You know, that, yeah, you've got all this, but there are, but the, the black kids and the white kids and the Asian kids. I mean, is that, um, I guess, first of all, is that a fair, is that a fair assessment and, and sort of what are you working on here uh, to address that? So is it a fair assessment? I think that um, our students, through conversations, um, kind of brought up that they saw there were, uh, groups that, if you will, um, shift together or move together. Um, and I think for us as administrators, one of the things that we always look back at is like uh, the core belief, too, of Wake County saying, how do we uh, eliminate predictability, right? Uh, uh, and that includes students with um, racial backgrounds, socioeconomics, um, 
And one of the things that we wanted to do is that we wanted to kind of get student voice, as it's really important in us to kind of like see what their K through 12 experience was. Jordan mentioned using um, these 12 strategies that, um, that we kind of use with, um, with our students. And these are culturally relevant strategies that have worked. And you know, and often uh, you read about these strategies, but we wanted to get a feel for what the students were talking about. And so we wanted to disrupt a little bit of, 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 of the perception of students not uh, giving us feedback. And so we created a platform where um, we look for a variety of our students to be a part of our equity team and express their K through 12 experience, good, bad. And it was through these conversations that they spoke about, you know, inequities that they see. Um, and it was through this process that they value voted and what strategies were pertaining to our school. And it was really beautiful because you had students who typically may not have classes together, who might not be, um, you know, uh, on, in the same uh, hallway or in the same cafeteria table, just speaking to one another and just kind of gaining some, some kind of uh, commonality, if you will, about what they need. Um, from a teacher, and that's where our NLO fives kind of come to be. Now, Jordan, this—I mean, this this effort—I mean, it sounds great. Also, doesn't to me sound like a sort of your typical, I don't know, student activity. I mean, there's lots of clubs and and things that go on. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, what drew you? I mean, this this sort of equity and 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 this kind of community building. What what was it? Why why was this important to you personally? Well, um, I joined the group about two years ago when they started like the student initiative part of it. And I had done the fall play that year and it was called We the People. And all the actors that were cast in the play wrote the play. So we covered, you know, racial bias, we covered sexual orientation, we covered everything that goes on here at Enlo, not schools, but just Enlo. And we had to present a couple of pieces to the staff at a um, staff meeting one day and we had a talk back session and we really got to just speak to them about you know this these are our experiences and they got to ask us questions about what they thought and after that I got an email from Dr. Chavis asking me if I wanted to join equity and obviously I was like yeah because I've I've experienced things that I can now say oh that that wasn't equity at all but it's like now it's not just that I can identify problems, it's like I can come up with solutions for them. And I think that that's what drew me to being a part of the equity team. It's just that I'm not just gonna sit around and talk about all the things that have gone wrong and the things that I wish I wouldn't have gone through, but it's about having courageous conversations and then affecting change. Like it's not just about talking about, it's about doing something too. How receptive has the, the, the teachers been, faculty, to something like this? I mean, are they, you know, because of the, in, in some ways, uh, students like Jordan, they're, they're, we were talking before we started taping, they're kind of ahead of us, uh, of, of some of us old folks, Absolutely, right? Yeah. So, I mean, do the teachers recognize that, that maybe they have some kind of blind spots, things that they maybe they weren't aware of? I think about things like visibility, making feel acknowledged, uh, connecting to students' lives. I guess, are they open to sort of saying, okay, maybe I was missing something? Yeah, so the beauty, I think, in the NLO 5 is that it was obviously student voice, but it was also a, a work of teachers working alongside with students. Our teacher equity group, along with our students, um, worked together to look at these strategies. Obviously, the students led what they thought was important, but it created, again, this like platform 
of, of having students and teachers and administrators just have conversations, you know, and kind of eliminate the hierarchy of who's who. And um, just being able to listen to the student and what they need. And, and it was really cool to see the teachers just be reflective about practice, right? And having conversations with a student that perhaps they've never had. Like Jordan um, got to meet, um, I believe that she worked with a teacher that she had didn't know. And it just created this really organic conversation and where they shared, Jordan would say, well, you know, this one time, this was this, this experience made me feel this way. And then just having that teacher reflect, I think, allowed for, I would say, guards to come down. Obviously, we don't ever want to say that our teachers don't know what they're doing because they obviously have degrees. But I think that when you have um, ongoing conversations, which I think for me, I think it's the steps to moving forward, it's just being able to have a conversation with your student about what they need, specifically when it comes to these, um, these strategies that they learned. And being able to take their information and apply it to their practice every day, it's just really important. But I do want to ask one of this one last question from you, Jordan, about you're a senior. Um, so you're going to be leaving here. What do you hope that, that this work sort of leaves behind? I mean, what do you want to see it do? I hope that when I leave, equity here at Inlo isn't like this big idea. It's like, oh my gosh, equity. It's just like something that we do. It's just like, no, we just do equity because that's how school works. And I hope that everyone goes into like the future having like a, you know, there's the, the saying that you get to be a thermometer or a thermostat. It's like both of them can sense temperature, but only one of them can change it. And I hope that as we go on, people begin to adopt thermostat mindsets, that it's not just identifying the problem, it's about changing the problem and inciting change. So I hope that that's something that just becomes culture here at Enlo. Well, terrific. This, it's, it sounds like a wonderful program. I really appreciate both of your time and explaining to us today. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks again to uh, Enlo High School and for Wake County Public Schools for welcoming us this week to shoot that episode. After the break, this week's final word. A recent study by the London School of Economics finds the key to racial harmony may start at school. The paper released earlier this year found that students who attend diverse schools have more positive feelings towards students of different ethnicities. The study also found that better integrated schools had a more significant impact on young people's attitudes than the ethnic mix of where they live. The findings are consistent with previous research that suggests that simple exposure to other ethnic groups didn't necessarily foster social cohesion. It was the meaningful interactions that are more likely present in a school setting. And it makes sense. Students who personally don't know anyone from another race or ethnic group, but who go to diverse schools, see people from another group on a daily basis. They sit in the same class, hang out in the same playground, and have to do group activities. The author suggests it's those small everyday encounters, those small experiences, and you start to think, yeah, maybe these people are just like me. Of course, integrated schools alone can't erase all the issues we heard from our guests today. But the study suggests that real integration does more than improve academic performance for both white and black students and close achievement gaps. It may have broader societal benefits in a country that is clearly still grappling with issues of race. 
It's yet another good reason to push back against any intentional or unintentional resegregation of our schools here in North Carolina. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching and please tune in next week. We'll have Richard Rothstein on talking about the color of law. We'll see you then.